It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Bryony Mae Williams is a baker and TV presenter. After years of baking at home and cultivating her creativity and skill, Bryony came to the public's attention in the 2018 series of The Great British Bake Off, becoming a firm audience favourite and reaching the semi-finals. Since then, Bryony has joined the presenting team of Food Unwrapped on Channel 4 and has appeared on shows including Would I Lie to You and Celebrity Mastermind. And today, I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. So, Bryony, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm going to explain for the purposes of this podcast being dreadfully interrupted that I messed up the times and I'm recording this in my house. At the exact moment, my son is about to have an acoustic, not electric, an acoustic drum lesson. Um, (laughs) So I am two stories away from him. I've locked myself in the conservatory, a room I never sit in ever. And because it sort of juts out from the house, I'm hoping it will keep us away from the noise of the drums. But if you do hear that, that is what is happening. He looked at me aghast at the suggestion that he wouldn't go ahead with his lesson. And his teacher is coming over to teach him, so I feel a bit bad. (laughs) If you can hear, smells like teen spirit, the drum beats from that over and over again. That is what that is. I have to say, also in his room, smell like teen spirit. I bet it does. I (laughs) bet it does. So this podcast is all about letter writing. Are you much of a letter writer? Do you know what? I'm not. I used to be. Back in the day, I always used to have pen pals. And I've still got letters from my friend, who I'm still friends with, that we wrote to each other when we were teenagers, you know? And it's just, it's really lovely. But I just think it's, yeah, it's a bit lost now. Did you ever do that thing? Like, we, I used to write letters to my friends and we used to put, like, stickers on them and stuff, yeah, like, within yeah, the yeah, letter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And on the envelope. Yeah. That was a big thing, wasn't it? Stickers. Used to go to like a craft shop and like pull them off a wheel like and buy little stickers. I don't feel like kids do that anymore. Maybe they do. Although my daughter's quite a big fan of stickers. She loves a sticker. Yeah. Get her right into her mates with little cat stickers on it and things. Yeah, I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back. Revive. I'm not sure. I mean my son 
he wrote a letter. He's nearly 17. And he wrote a letter, like a thank you letter to his auntie for sending him some money and forgot to put a stamp on it. And then I thought, when I say forgot to put a stamp on it, like, I think that was probably the first time he'd ever posted a letter in his entire life. Like, 16 years of life he'd had at this point. And he didn't realise that you couldn't just write a letter and put it in the post. It's like you don't need to put a stamp on an email or a DM. Why would you need to put it on a letter? I then sent Auntie Liz in Sheffield. I sent her a book of stamps. So that that bell you can hear is the sound of the drum teacher arriving is at it? my house. <laughs> so now prepare for the drums. For the drums. I'm so ready for this. I'm excited. <laughs> excited about the drums i'm hoping we won't be able to hear it but we'll we'll see (laughs) the neighbors when we bought this drum kit at christmas the neighbors very politely very polite couple who live next door said oh we can hear it when we're in the garden but we can't hear it in the house i then went to the corner shop when he was playing them and i could hear it in the corner shop which is two streets away so my neighbors were lying to me to be polite at least they're being nice about it (laughs) not banging down your door shut up no, no, not. I'd rather. I'd rather they told me though. Like I feel really. So we now have a rule: you're not allowed to do it after like eight o'clock at night because they've oh, got kids. Fair. That's fair. But yeah, to try all the drumming. <laughs> um, so, do you have any particular letters of note? We've had letters from Nelson Mandela, the Queen of Denmark. No, I don't have anything that exciting. Paul Hollywood never sent you a letter. Paul Hollywood's never written, never calls, <laughs> never writes. Do you know what I mean? It's I just feel really sort of bereft that he's just kind of abandoned me after Bake Off. <laughs> Presumably you have the letter saying that you were getting... I, mean, I suppose they don't send No, letters, they don't. They, no, they just send emails. Call. No, I mean, because I was thinking about this, like important letters that I've had in my life. And probably one of the letters that changed the course of my life a lot is the letter I got from the secondary school I went to. So I went to a private girls' school in Bristol. But at the time, my mum and my dad couldn't afford to send me there. So I got an assisted place. Do you remember those? I, th- I think that I think it's still a thing, isn't it? Well, not like a government-assisted place. No. More, more, <laughs> no. more of a scholarship, isn't it? Or something like that. Whereas this is like, like a government-assisted place. So I got a letter saying that I'd been accepted to the school and I got a, an assisted place, which was amazing because I think that completely changed changed the course of my life in lots of ways and it's also the school that my mum went to and she was head girl and then I was head girl so that's quite nice did Um, she ever get on the bake off though I mean did she no she didn't no that's it's all me (laughs) (laughs) but no no unfortunately no letters from from bake off saying well done you're on it was it was a phone call a very exciting phone call don't get me wrong oh how did you feel oh my gosh I I honestly because they said they were going to call me by five o'clock on the Friday this is sort of earlier in the week. They'll be like, we'll definitely confirm or whatever by five o'clock on Friday. They called me at half past four on the Friday. Oh man, that's rude. I know. And I was in the car with my mum and um, Annette, we just both just started screaming. <laughs> and it was just very exciting. It um, is so exciting because thousands of people must apply. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like over 10,000 people. I'm still surprised they let me on, to be honest with you. <laughs> You did really well. I did all right. I don't know how. Um, I did all right. I say you did really well. I went on the Celebrity Bake Off and I won. Oh, yes, you did. Although, I've got to say that was out of no skill on my own. Just that (laughs) the other people who were on it with me are like, I'm not sure they'd like ever seen an onion. They were like... (laughs) Like, I have eaten and cooked food in uh, my life. Okay, they have not so much. And it was very much like, and they were like, oh, did you practice these recipes? And I was like, that, yes, I practiced them. <laughs> it's Bake like, Off. 
I was like, of course I practiced them. <laughs> like, what do you, you know, I don't just make cakes and biscuits and pies all the time. Like, yes, I didn't want to make a fool out of myself on the television, so I practiced. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. I mean, I did go back and win the Christmas one. I got my cake plate in the end, and actually it's nicer than the one they get on the main show. So <laughs> so there we go. We're both Bake Off winners, Jess. Look at that. There you go. I have a good... When they asked me to go on the Bake Off, I have a good story about... Uh, so they sent me an email, and at the time I was in Kenya visiting a refugee camp. So on the border of... Kenya, there's a huge refugee camp full of old Rwandan refugees, but also lots and lots of people from like Burundi. And and I'd gone to visit this refugee camp and talk to girls about girls' education and stuff. And I had my phone and I got some signal and I was reading my emails in this enormous UNHCR refugee camp with this brilliant German woman who worked at the camp and was sat in front of this group of girls. And I said, oh, my God, I've just been asked to go on the Bake Off. And this group of refugee young women literally were like, oh, my God, we love the Bake Off! <laughs> they were like, you've got to go on it, oh, my God. Like, I was like, this was not the reaction I was expecting. Everyone loves Bake Off worldwide, I tell you. I know you say it surprised you, but that doesn't even surprise me because that... But like a mad. refugee camp. I know, I know. On the like, border of Kenya. It's so far-reaching. It's it's mad. People just love it all over the world. It's mad. That is great, though. I love that. That's brilliant. That is a great story. Yes. But, <laughs> and, and then I thought, you know, if I always have this thing. I'm like, you know, should I do it? Like, you know, you're meant to be taken seriously. I, I think that all the time. And then I thought, well, they, look how happy these people are. Like, like it's just a lovely lovely thing it's great it's so wholesome it's so wholesome it's such a lovely thing to do it's just great were you on with Noel when Noel was on yes I was on oh. with Noel I mean I was... any, there's nothing better than hanging out with Noel Fielding yeah he, he he was absolutely lovely I was there the day it was Tory party conference so parliament wasn't in session so that's why I was able to go because we break for uh, conferences god only knows why we have three weeks off of, to drink crappy warm wine and listen to shit speeches but anyway we do i really feel we could fill our time slightly better but who am i to make these rules but yeah i was with him and it was the day that Theresa may was making her speech at tory conferences not the one where the whole thing fell apart but the one where she came on the stage dancing oh the dancing the yeah, dancing that, yeah. she came yeah. on the stage dancing to dancing queen and me him and paul hollywood were like watching it together and, and they were just like looking at me as if i was going to give some deep political analysis into what was going on i was just like i don't really have anything more to say than what you could see like she's danced onto the stage but yeah no it's really good fun i really really enjoyed it oh, I really, good i really enjoyed it and it you won totally so wholesome. yeah amazing I did, I did one because win because i have seen an onion before and yeah, well there one. you go it's paid off it's paid <laughs> it off. has trade off that that my <laughs> onion husbandry over the years has uh, has <laughs> landed me in good stead so your letter from your school that changed your life quite a lot of people say that they say i've got this letter that was like sometimes it's a rejection letter or 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 an acceptance letter that totally changed their lives and now that wouldn't happen, would it? I mean, even school places. I never got a letter saying my kid had got into school. You just get an email, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I know. Refreshing every five Refreshing, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> she got in? Have they got in? How did I remember to apply is the thing. I'm like, like <laughs> cold sweats in the middle of the night thinking, oh my God, I've forgotten to apply yeah, for I a school Have I accidentally place. applied to a school in Manchester? <laughs> exactly. Like, did I put the right one? Oh God, it's the horrible pressure that is that. But you get it all on email now, I don't know, you? but I've actually still got the letter from my school to say that I got in. Yeah, because it was, well, it was so important. 
at the time. I mean, it's still important now, but yeah, you just don't get that anymore. No, you wouldn't get that anymore. No. And you wouldn't necessarily keep the email and you'd forget, no. like, you know, you log into the Hotmail <laughs> account from, that was like, that was <laughs> yes. like, Jess loves Nirvana. <laughs> Whatever it was. But you don't really write letters anymore. No, I don't. No, I know. It's sad though, isn't it? My, you know, even sort of thank you letters for me have turned into more of a thank you text message. Which yeah, I know is just... WhatsApp. I, WhatsApp. I, think, I think WhatsApp was the final nail in the letter writing mm. coffin. I think you're it was right, the, you know. It was the final nail. And that's yeah. why only older people now send letters. Or... Do you know what? I don't even do Christmas cards. I'm terrible. I, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I've never done them. Because I just thought, if I don't start this at the age of sort of, you know, 19, 20, post-junior, if I don't start sending people Christmas cards, they'll just never expect one from me. And it's worked out quite well. I mean, the people who repeatedly send them to me, I just think, are you not annoyed that this is such a one-way street? <laughs> this unrequited Christmas card situation. I do send thank you cards still. Oh, that's um, nice. And a huge amount of that. In politics, though, the written, like, writing something by hand is... A, is a huge amount has a huge amount of currency because it shows a personal nature to it that rather than you're just getting the same message that I've sent to 6,000 people about grouse shooting. I did get a letter pushed through my door the other day from the local WI asking me if I'd go and, ha- and talk to them about Bake Off. And it was, you know, I'd given my address and my phone number to a lady I used to work with. And she was like, oh, I'm going to pass it on to so-and-so from the WI, thinking I might get a phone call or a text. But no, I had a handwritten letter posted through my letterbox. But I thought, oh, isn't that nice? I still I haven't replied yet, and that was about a week ago. But um... I, I suspect you're more likely to go because they sent you a letter. No, I will. And I love a bit of WI. I've done a few WI talks. Can I just say they've become like totally like feminist um, champions. Them and the guides. When I was a kid, like, you know, the guides and the WI, it's sort of like conservative with a small C. But I recently did a thing for COP26 and it was the WI who'd organised it. So there aren't enough women around the table making these decisions. And I was a bit like... And the guides have got... I mean, the guides are basically making sexual harassment policy for the nation. They've got all really, like, radical feminists, so... Yes, it's about time. I know, yeah. I mean, come on. I love that. The WI are coming, in, coming into its own in 2022. Totally brilliant. So I'm, I'm, a total, I'm a total advocate of the WI now. Oh, nice. Well, I'm definitely going to do the talk now. Famously, Tony Blair, who comes up in this podcast nearly every single time for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but he did a talk to the... He did a speech to the WI and they slow hand clapped him. <laughs> yes. Awkward, but awesome. So I've asked you to prepare three different letters, well, three, three different people who you would want to send a letter to. And the first one would be the person who means the world to you. So who would you send that letter to? So I, it has to be my mum, Colleen. She is just one of the best humans in the world. She is... Is she a bit Irish? <laughs> my nan was Irish. I was going to say, because I've only ever met people with Irish derivation who are called Colleen. Yeah, so so my nan was born in Northern Ireland. But yeah, my mum's just awesome. She's just always been like my best friend as well as my mum. And I know that sounds a little bit like a cliche, but my parents separated when I was eight. And we just have been so tight ever since. She's kind, she's generous, she's funny. So she's 70 this year and she looks incredible. She is like so hot. And <laughs> she is. And she dresses really coolly as well. Like she's just got loads of, she's got so much style. I just feel like all of the, the good in me 
all of the, you know, my positive, good personality traits come from her. And she's just always there for me. She's always the person I'll go to if I need to talk to someone or if I need advice. She's the, you know, her and my husband, you know, they're the first people I want to call if I get good news. And she's just always been the most amazing mum to me, to all my friends. Like my mates had keys to our house growing up when we were teenagers. They'd go over to my house to see my mum when I wasn't there. (laughs) She's just an incredible woman. Do you think that she looks cool? Uh, Me and my husband have a theory about this because his mother, who is rocking towards 70, she just doesn't like... I think we have an idea of what a nan looks like. Yeah. And that is because nans, when we were young, like dressed like they did in the 1950s. They didn't look like... Do you know what I mean? Like, like because they were... That's when they were in their heyday. Yeah. So they just carried on looking like that. So like a set hair and a tabard to do your cleaning in. And my nan wore a tabard at all times. I mean, like she put a (laughs) coat on over the top of it, like a pinny, like all times. And like, she looked like a nan. Like, but Tom's mum, she didn't look anything like a nan. No. (laughs) She looks like a woman who had her heyday in the 1970s, I suppose, and just like kept being cool. Yeah, no, 100% my mum is that. So I'm just going to, I'll show you a picture of her. So this is my mum. Oh, yeah. I mean, she doesn't look like a nan at all. She's, I mean, and also that makes her hair look grey and it's not at all. And she's just one of those women who, like, she looks amazing for her age, for starters, but she also, like, just oozes youth. A lot of it is because she spends a lot of time with the grandkids. So me and my brothers have each got one child each and she sees them three, four times a week. Yeah, and she's just, you know, she's like chief nana, but she doesn't look like a nana. My nan, who passed away in November 2020, she was 95 when she passed away. She didn't look a day over 80, I tell you. So I think there's good genes going good on there. Good genes. You've got some good genes. I know, that is good, yeah. My mum didn't go grey. Well, never went grey. She sadly died when she was 61. But she didn't have a single grey hair and I am still rocking it out and not have never once yes. had a single grey hair. And, <laughs> you know... The genetics of cancer might catch me, but I won't have grey hair. But I won't be grey, oh no. She gave me the thing that really matters, the genetics not to to be ruled by the patriarchal norms about women's hair (laughs) colour. So that's what I really wanted. Uh, That's what I wanted. (laughs) So your parents got divorced when you were eight and you you stay mainly with your mum. Yeah, yeah. And then my dad got remarried when I was 14 and that was a bit of a tumultuous time. And my mum was just always there. She's literally just... She's just like someone who will be there no matter what. And she, I love seeing her with my daughter. Like, I love the relationship that they have. She's taught me, without realising it, but taught me everything I needed to be a mum. When you say that, when you, you say that she's taught you everything you needed to be a mum, that's undoubtedly true that we, we sort of like, you know, re- replicate the sense of feeling, if not the same actions, because obviously all mothers forget and say things like, you slept through the night after, after four days and you think that's a lie. Don't lie that's to me. That's not true. That, you're misremembering this woman. <laughs> we used to just put you in the back seat with a ca- in a carry cot. It's like, yeah, but that was when babies and cars killed more people. So, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, don't. Don't say stupid things. But, um, like, so maybe not, like, the actual practicalities of it, but the, like, the sense of what you want your children to feel, you often get from, like, well, I, I liked this feeling. But you also said that you everything that you had that was good came from your mum. Do you think that she thinks that? Um, yeah, I think so. I tell her all the time. 
you know, we're very open and we're quite sort of, you know, emotionally honest as a family, I'd say. And, you know, we tell each other we love each other all the time. But I imagine if you're, I was to say that to your mum, she would say, well, naturally, it's, it's her, her, she... Often when people, when we feel like people, like we get everything, I get everything good, like everything I know, I learnt from my mum sort of thing, that actually they'd want to give us back that compliment. They'd want to say, well, actually, no, you face things I didn't face. And yeah, people no, are she, funny about yeah. taking that sort of thing on the chin. Yeah, I think she takes it as it's intended, you know, like she's given me all the tools I've needed. Obviously, I've picked up a lot of my own along the way, but in terms of you know, the fundamental person that I am, you know, that has very much come from her and my upbringing and just the close relationship that we have. So, yeah, she's just, I can't say enough nice things about her. She's ace. We're off to Paris tomorrow together. Oh, I'm lovely. Yeah, to visit one of my friends from Bake Off. You know, so she's like an example of her kindness um, and my nan's, it, you know, definitely filtered down through the family, I, th- I like to think, that my nan and my mum lived together before my nan passed away. And... One of my friends who uh, I was on Bake Off with was really, really poorly and they didn't have anyone to look after them in London. So me and my mum went and picked them up, brought them back to Bristol. They lived with my mum and my nan for two weeks. (laughs) They looked after them. You know, I looked after them. It was like a whole family affair. And they're now very much a part of our family. Um, You know, that's, that's the kind of family I come from and I hope to pass on to my daughter as well. Yeah, me too. I come from a family where there was always some rando, frankly, living with yeah. us because they were going through a bad divorce. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or like they didn't get on with their teenage lads who were having trouble at home. There was always some rando staying over to be looked after because we had the space. Um, and like, I mean, when I say we had the space, it always meant that I had to sleep on someone's floor. But... Um, <laughs> That's still the space, you know. Still, yeah, we can absolutely. make it work. Yeah, uh, and I want that for my kids. Like, I, I want them to live in like Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. Like, our house was always very much open door policy. Like, we always come to my house, and I really want that for Nora, my daughter. And I love it as well when I like talk to her teachers or whatever. The thing that always comes up is that they say how kind she is, and I like, just that's all that matters to me. I'm like, if I can pass anything on to her. It's to be kind to people. And I think that's something that my mum passed on to me and her mum passed on to her. So I just like that it's kind of this nice little chain of kindness. That is all that matters. Kindness and generosity. If if my children, the thing that annoys me about them the most is when they don't have show generosity of spirit. And that's mainly to each other, (laughs) I have to say. (laughs) Which I'm going to excuse slightly um, because of their age. Um, Yeah. But... Or like ungratefulness, like that is the most important thing is that they act with kindness. Like nothing else actually matters to me, really. Like yeah, I just no, want I them to agree be kind. More. Yeah. I just yeah. want them to be kind. And that is, that stems from a culture though. So your mother is part of that, you know, is like a culture that she sets. Yeah, definitely. And I think her mum, my nana, who was so beloved by all of us, you know, she's left a very big hole in all of our lives. was definitely the start of that I think and it's nice because Nora got to know her her great-grandmother she you know she knew her for like five years which is incredible I mean what a blessing so she you know my nan got to know Nora Nora got to know my nan and she always sort of says oh I miss grandnan and I'm like yeah me too that is impressive like yeah it's cool isn't it yeah 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 I, I mean it's very uncommon every time I got pregnant I would 
basically it's like a one in one out policy where I would basically kill our grandparents by oh. being <laughs> How could you? <laughs> Just dreadful. When I was pregnant with my eldest, my nan and my husband's granddad died and when I was pregnant with my second one my granddad and my husband's grandma died so they had none <laughs> because that just like because you I, killed them I stopped having babies then for the risk <laughs> yeah. it's a dreadful risk we've taken that layer out yeah don't take the risk out. don't no, take no, the no. risk um, <laughs> it would be too much to take the risk does your husband want to live in Piccadilly Circus because I have a jarring problem in that mine doesn't Oh, uh, mine doesn't have a choice. It's happening. <laughs> Tough. Yeah, mine uh, Mine has been severely overruled, but he comes from quite a small family that is quite insular. And not, you know, not unfriendly or unsociable, but it's like it's not the same culture of like just everybody around all the time. That I think he finds hard. Yeah, my husband's the same, but his mum was a childminder. So I think, you know, he's used to that sort of slightly chaotic thing. And we've been together 12 years now and... You know, he's kind of just had to get used to the fact that that's what my family's like. Like, you know, I see my family, you know, almost every day of the week. We all live within a 10 minute drive of each other. You know, we're a really tight unit. So my husband's just had to kind of be like, cool. Yeah. OK, I'm just going to jump on board. If you say that to people who live in London, like me and my family and friends, we all live literally on like the same four streets. Like we're in an episode of Bread. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and like you say that to people in London, look at you like you're absolutely mad. It's like... Well, yeah, we all live near each other, like because we come from here. Yeah, and we like it. We like each other. We like to spend time together. Like I love my brothers. They're a hoot, you know. We're uh, we all just get on really well. So yeah, my husband's just kind of embraced it because he doesn't really have a choice. So how would you sign off your letter to your mum then? I always call her my angel because she is. So yeah, you're my angel and love you. Just love you always. Oh. She sounds excellent. She is ace. I know I'm biased, but she's awesome. Yeah. I mean, everyone says, oh, you know, you know, maybe I'm biased. But some people's moms have got to be better than others. Yeah. <laughs> Just logically. It's got I to mean, be. Exactly. Like, if you think about it rationally. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've met some people with dreadful mothers, so... Yeah. <laughs> Same. And I definitely, whilst I, my, like you know, I'm a, I'm perfectly good enough as a mother. Like I'm, a, I'm perfectly good enough. I'm nowhere near as good as my mum was at it. Like she, like she's really brilliant at she, it. She, she nailed it. She totally nailed it. But by the time she had me, she'd had loads of kids, and she was just like, yeah, <laughs> I've nailed this. I know what I'm doing. Whereas, you know, I don't remember like her losing a rag with me the way that I lose my rag with my kids. <laughs> she's sanguine. So your second letter would be to somebody, we've asked you to think about somebody who is no longer here. So who would that be to? That would be my uncle Ian, so my mum's brother. He passed away in 2013 after being poorly. And he was one of the most intelligent people I've I've ever met. He was like a true gentleman. So he's a few years older than my mum and he lived in London. He was gay and he lived with his partner, Andrew, for about, they were married and together for about 25 years and they lived in this really cool house in London and they were just you know elegant and and fabulous he was just one of those people who I always looked up to and when I got into secondary school and as I went through the years you know he'd always write me letters 
he was great. He'd always write letters throughout the year and especially at Christmas. And he'd always say, you know, so proud of you and what you're doing. And when he came to visit, you know, we'd have a little intellectual chat <laughs> or, I'd, or I'd try and be as intellectual as possible. But when I was always talking to him, I'd be like, oh, I'm not clever. Like he did English at Oxford, you know, he's just this big, big brain. And he was lovely. He was incredibly generous, a very kind man. So yeah, he was poorly in 2013. And that's when I started baking. And I used to bake biscuits and take them up to him in London in hospital and give them to him and to the nurses. And there's a video of him in 2013 eating one of my biscuits. And he says, these biscuits, you know, they're great. I love them. Thank you so much, Bryony. Ready, steady, bake. As in like from (laughs) from the bake off. Yeah. And I literally had just started baking. And then he passed away about a month later and then I carried on baking and he left me some money in his will and I bought a KitchenAid with it, which is where like my baking kind of that, you know, it's all built from there. Anyone knows once you get a KitchenAid in the mix, you can do anything. Oh, you um, totally can. I've you got, do. I've you take got, on the world I've got one and it's yeah. literally my pride and joy. Yeah, I literally my baby. love yeah. it. I use it all the time and I love it. So he's very much intertwined. But that video, when we found it, we were like, no way. That's absolutely bonkers. It's almost kind of... Prophetic. Like, that's it. That's exactly the word, <laughs> prophetic. And I just love to think of him kind of up there looking down, being like, hey, you did. You got on the bake-off, you know. And I think he'd be so proud. He was my nan's... So my mum's brother, so my nan's son. And I like to think of them both up there having a gin and tonic, having a, you know, a cheers to the fact that I actually ended up on Bake Off after all that time. So he died before your nan. Yeah, it's Oh, really sad. that is yeah. tragic. No matter how old you are, no matter, like, that is... When my mum was diagnosed with cancer, she said to me, the only silver lining to this is that her mum had just died. And she was like, I couldn't have bore her sadness about this. I couldn't have, like, you know... Like, just just awful. That must have been very sad for you now. I mean, you know, you just can't even imagine what that feeling must be like. She has always been a woman of faith, and I think that helped her through it a lot. She knew she was going to pass. She um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and then sort of six weeks later, she, she was gone. But in those six weeks, she would always sort of say, I'm going to go be with Ian, you know, I'm going to be with Ian, it's going to be all right. And I think that faith that she had definitely got her through the passing of her son or at least helped her you know bear that load and then when she passed she you know that was her her peace her calm yeah her comfort that she was going to see Ian again I hope that's true I hope so I like to think that I mean I'm I'm not a person of faith but I like to think wherever they are you know, even if it's in our memories, in our thoughts, they're having a GNC and having a giggle. There are just know? some things that I think that there's only upside to believing. Like Father Christmas. I say to my, I used yeah. to say to my kids, <laughs> I say, there is no downside to this. Do you know what I mean? It's like all upside. So, like, there's no risk in this at yeah. all. Like, very few things in life is there any risk in believing in. That's like, so you know, true. like, there is no risk. Like, And so I remember my mum saying to me, the worrying thing is, is if heaven is real, Jess, what if I don't know anyone? I was like, she's like, I feel a bit tired and I can't be bothered to like do, do the legwork. Um, I was like, you, you will know people. All my friends and family are in hell. Yeah, like, was like, I was like, that nan will be there. Like, you know, like, don't don't worry. She was like, I mean, my mum was a lovely woman, but my nan was like a fucking saint. Uh, so like... I don't know whether I believe it or not, but I I think it's lovely when people do. And I hope it's true. (laughs) I just hope it it were the case. Yeah. 
And if it if it brings people peace and comfort, totally, absolutely, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Me too. Just like hope it is. And actually, even if you you know fear Nan thinking that, well, I'll be with him. And and so presumably he was. So he was. Ian was gay in a time before it was acceptable to be gay. Very much so. Yeah. One of the things that Nan and I talked about a lot before she passed away. Because I got it. I mean, it was it was obviously wasn't a blessing that she passed, but it was a blessing that we had that time. We could talk about stuff that we'd never talked about before, and I got to ask her all the questions I never thought I, you know, or I, I never got round to asking her. And one of those questions was, "What was your reaction when Ian came out to you?" Because it would have been in the seventies, you know, early seventies, completely different time. And I know that my mum's dad, you know, basically disowned him and didn't want to know him whereas my nan they weren't they weren't together at that time my nan and my granddad were separated and my nan said i just told him that i loved him it didn't make any difference you know i loved him whatever and i was like oh man in the 70s for a woman of faith from northern ireland the ramping up of these various issues is no. is impressive I know and I just think you know and she that's that's the kind of woman that she was and again I think it gives you an idea of that passing down through the family of of the kindness and the compassion it's easy for us to say now that if my one of my children were to say that to me I actually feel that they feel they have to come out as straight but um yeah. the, the <laughs> yes. um there would be any question of your love but then actually why wouldn't that be different even in a different time like the love for a parent to a child usually is unconditional yeah um, and I, mean, I know you that you the... oh yeah the whole history of people having a dreadful time yeah but I can't believe that it could extinguish love like no, even if you were yeah. against it and you didn't want it and the shame and I don't want it anywhere near me I just don't believe you can extinguish love you'd hope so I mean that, you know, the reaction of my granddad compared to the reaction of my nan just shows the polar opposites, you know, of the opinions. But my nan, you know, she just accepted all of it and embraced it and said, well, you know, that's who you are. So it doesn't make any difference to how I feel about you. And, and like you say, it shouldn't. That shows what kind of a woman my nan was, you know, like you say, in the 70s for her to just be like, yeah, and what? Yeah. My nan used to say to me, like, I mean, I don't care what people get up to, Bab, as long as they're, you know, just... Try not to frighten the horses. <laughs> she was genuinely like, you know, she was really old and she was like, she's like born in like the very early 1900s. And so like they did have horses on the street. She was like bit, yeah. making a genuine point about how don't, don't upset the horses. So you feel that like Ian is your reason to bake. He was the person yeah, who set you I, on the path. Yeah, I do. And I think it, it's just a really sort of, you know, obviously tragic that we lost him, but it's lovely that that, not inspired that yeah 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 you know and things like when he passed he left everything to my mum and that meant that she could retire which meant that me and her spent a lot more time together and that she could look after Nora when I was practicing and when I was away and you know I just think there's so much that leads back to him and his kindness and his generosity and you know yeah Obviously, everybody would rather their family were here and would rather themselves stayed here. And I meet lots and lots of people who dedicate their lives to making things better for others after they've had a terrible loss, usually in very tragic circumstances. And it feels like a legacy for that person. Like, that's the thing that drives people is like, my daughter was murdered and I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen to somebody else. Whilst it is selfless for the other people, it is fundamentally they're doing it to make that life not have been a waste. The thing that happened to her have to make that into a good thing. And so I think that Ian would want 
that to be a brilliant legacy that he'd set you all up. That's what families are meant to do, like set set up like a train of dominoes and been like, knock it over. Yeah, and it's lovely because my mum, you know, she says, she says, you know, anytime something has a knock on effect of, you know, what he left her. So he's like, thank you, Ian, you know, and, and it's and it's lovely. And, you know, in a picture, as you walk into a kitchen, there's a picture of Nan and a picture of Ian next to each other. You know, and we talk to them all the time. And, you know, it's just, it's lovely that, that that's still there. And yeah, it's just... He was he was an amazing man. Well, also, I just always feel like I was just lucky to have people who were interesting and amazing, especially really interesting people. Yeah, and he are, was so interesting. They often you know? leave you with so much as well, people who are a bit, like, eccentric or a bit different or, like, really big intellects. They leave you with so many things that you, like... Because they talk a lot and they, like, they share their their eccentricities and those people leave you with uh, like what my brother described as a library of inspiration so how would you sign off a letter to Ian oh um just thank you for everything you're still very much present in our everyday lives and we love you yeah we'll be back for Bryony's final letter after a short break In the meantime, why not check out another podcast from the team behind yours sincerely. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So the final letter I've asked you to prepare is for somebody who doesn't know the effect that they've had on your life. So somebody who you feel grateful to, but would never have any idea necessarily that you felt that way. So who would that be? 
Yeah, I've been, you know what, this is the one I've really sort of been thinking about loads. And I've been thinking about sort of teachers and, you know, people that I've met over the years. And I think for me, it's my agent. I know this is going to sound really weird because a lot of people would be like, what, your agent? So my, my agent is called Andrew Roach. And it was very much fate, I think, that we ended up together. So he contacted me after Bake Off and was like, oh, you know, what do you think about working together? And in his email, he was very much talked about disability and how he represented a lot of disabled clients. Now, post Bake Off, just, well, even during Bake Off and immediately after Bake Off, I was still very much in the frame of mind as I has been my entire life. I didn't use the term disabled. I felt it had very negative connotations. My mum never used it. She hated the word. So in terms of the word disability, I found that very difficult to process and register as something that I was, you know, that I was. So when he contacted me, I was, I'd actually already signed up with an agency. So I said, oh, thank you so much, you know, but, um, you know, I've already signed with someone else. But then the agency I was with dumped me after six months. They were like, <gasps> see you later, bye. Bastards. <laughs> um, bastards. But actually, it was meant to be, and I'm very much a believer in things that are meant to be. So I contacted him and said, oh, you know, could we meet up? Still, I was a bit like, oh, there's a lot of focus on the disability. I'm not sure. And I met him and just completely fell in love with him. He is a lovely, lovely man. And anyone out there who's met agents, you don't always describe an agent as someone who's just really super lovely. It's essentially a mercenary game. Exactly. It, it's essentially, uh, it can be uh, yeah. a mercenary yeah. thing. Like think yeah. of Jerry Maguire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, exactly that. So, you know, to have someone who represents me is someone who I very much consider a friend and who I get emails from people going, your agent is so nice. He's been so lovely to deal with. And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, they're really surprised that, you know, he's such a lovely man. But he has also helped me along the way become very very proud to be a person with a disability and embrace that and really you know turn into an advocate for it you know and I'm an ambassador now for a charity called Reach who I was a member of when I was a kid who helped me a lot and you know it's kind of this full circle moment and a lot of that has to do with him and his advocacy because you know like I think something like 80 90% of his clients are disabled what a advocacy. thing. What Gosh. a thing. What an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, it started when he started representing Lost Voice Guy, Lee Ridley. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Great um, guy. And it kind of sort of snowballed from there. And now, you know, the work that he does behind the scenes to push for more disabled representation. I was going to say, do you think it is, I mean, the, the vast difference between when I was a kid and what my children grew up with and now what, uh, I see on the TV now, even that they're older, obviously still much, much work to do, but it just seemed a lot better than it was. Oh, it is better than it was. I mean, gosh, yeah. But I mean, it was blooming tragic before. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I can't think of a single person with a disability that I would have seen on the television that I can, th- that well, a, a, a visible disability that yeah. I can think of. And you look back and in, in the 90s, they put a woman on CBBC who had... Yes, that was when my children were little. So I I spent a lot of hours watching that. Yeah. Yeah. But then the uproar when she was put on the telly of, oh, she's going to give the children nightmares. Like, oh, come on. Come off it. What is wrong with people? Yeah, exactly. That's quite the point. What is wrong with people? But like, and and then you look now and and I love it, you know, when you turn on a TV programme or, you know, 
you just anything and there's just a disabled person there and they're not just being disabled they're just there <laughs> you know incidentally disabled yeah exactly and like the uh, the response i got from being on bake off from parents of children who had a hand like mine you know young adults with a hand like mine just saying it was so good to see you there just baking and they didn't make a fuss about it because i asked them not to and that for me you know, I'm I'm through reach, you know, chatting to these kids who've got hands like mine and their parents, you know, being able to, you know, even have a tiny impact on their lives and their confidence is the best thing ever. And I didn't realise that at the time, how much it would become a part of my life. And I'm so grateful for that. And Andrew had so much to do with that in such a, a wonderful way. So I think... I don't think he realises, he's very humble, you know what I mean? He's very unassuming kind of guy. I don't think he realises the impact that he's had on that part of my life. And presumably visibility generally. Yeah, he must exactly. Have been having he, a big impact if he's got 80% yeah, of his clients. Yeah, exactly. Like he's doing incredible things for the disabled community, very much behind the scenes, you know, with no expectance of you know any kind of recognition he's just powering through and doing it and and that's what makes him awesome yeah also i remember when the last leg first came out when it was like when it was they were just doing the olympics weren't they yeah the 2012 yeah 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 yeah. it was was 2012 of course yeah yeah yeah. that that was a big deal um (laughs) i still i think we peaked at that point as a country it's been downhill frankly a little bit we're absolutely fucked from this point on (laughs) i mean i really my husband often says to me did you did you touch something when you got to parliament did you was there like you know like the time stone did you did you accidentally tread on something because it's been an utter shit show since you've been there i'm like i really don't think this is my fault i don't think yeah. it's my fault or or like Boris johnson is my fault but he's just like i feel like you went into a secret room and we entered into <laughs> some sort of alternative universe that has fucked everything up it's corona um, it's all your fault is it, everything is my fault according to my husband but they were joking about it as well they were taking the piss out of each other and the way that people do in real life like take the mick out of their mates and it's a symbol of love and affection to take the piss and not feel alarmed by that or and that I thought was you know it was that felt like sea changing to me in the field of disability representation absolutely and it and it was as well like because the Paralympics have done incredible things for disability representation. But I think the last leg, like you say, bringing that humour and that joy and showing that, you know, bringing disabled people into the mix doesn't have to be a chore. Like, it's actually a really positive thing. And it's, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, we've got to include this person. Like, yeah, let's include this person because they're funny and they're, you know, they've got a lot to bring to the table. And, you know, they go through life as people who have to, you know, problem solve on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, these are great people to bring into the mix. And, you know, I actually got to go on the last leg during the Paralympics last year, and it was so much fun. Um, You know, they're just an absolute incredible bunch of guys. Alex Brooker, I met him at a Channel 4 party, and we were at the bar... And no one was serving us. And he was like, just throw a lime at them. And I was like, yeah, but out of out of the two of us, I'm the only one with a functional hand. So I'm going to get the blame. He was like, yeah, exactly. It works out perfectly. Like, you know, it's just great. So yeah, just, just, it's just a wonderful thing. 
Yeah, well, your agent sounds pretty impressive. He is. He's a really amazing guy, and I don't think I tell him that enough. Andrew Roachwell, you're you're a legend. He is. Uh, so often people who are a bit unassuming also can't bear it when you actually tell them. Yeah. Uh, so this is a good way of doing it because, like, you know, he could just listen and feel proud rather than having to have that awkward moment where yeah. people tell you how... I, I mean, I, I find it almost intolerable. Like, I'm like, that. that's really lovely. Thing. Yeah, that, that, that's in the exact yeah. motion. That shoulder, like, Ooh. like oh, I feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like any time when the, you have to, you're doing an event and you have to send a bio and obviously yeah. your bio is like your entire life and all the good things you do, you've done and then they read it out like these three paragraphs and I, and you have to sit there sitting through it I just think god I sound like a twat <laughs> and I'm, I always start by saying there was some downtime like yeah. I didn't, didn't do all that in like 20 minutes like yeah. that's 40 years condensed yeah. into like oh three god paragraphs. I sound so worthy like just like and you have to sit through it oh god dreadful I'm going to make my bio just let's move on to the actual conversation yeah uh, <laughs> gonna, loves to get to the chat yeah uh, it will be my bio from now on so how would you sign off the letter to Andrew Roach thanks for everything and let's keep going let's keep doing this yeah keep let's on keep keeping kicking on. ass yeah. I'm glad your agents dropped you after six months. I'm so glad. What a blessing that was. So, it has been an absolute pleasure to listen to your letters. I mean, I feel like maybe you could have sent me some biscuits to eat whilst we were doing it. <laughs> maybe now that we can do it in person, things people will actually... Bring. I did actually once do a podcast where somebody bought some biscuits and that were to be discussed on the pod. Also, I did Jay Rayner's one and he sent me cheese in the post. So, you oh, know... Oh, what? Yeah. Well, I'm doing yours and you didn't send me cheese. Is, well, that's true. I could have saying. sent you some legislation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all right. <laughs> if we ever meet in person, I promise I'll bring biscuits. Yeah, you bring biscuits and I will bring the draft online harms bill. <laughs> What a deal! <laughs> I think you might be the one who wins on that deal, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Definitely. I <laughs> would be the one who wins. It has been a total pleasure, Brony. Thank oh, you so thank much. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.